book of Revelation. Uh, just remember tonight that I have searched through this last book. Some call it the book of the apocalypse. Some call it uh, the book of eschatology, the book of the end times. I've searched through the whole thing time after time after time. I've read it. I've read this book from cover to cover I don't know how many times, and I've gotten revelation and read and read and read. And I can't find one place in Revelation that the enemy shuts down the end-time church. Just can't find it. It's not there. And uh, it is not the revelation of eschatology. It is not the revelation of the end time. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. At the opening, that's what it says in Revelation. What is the whole point of the book of Revelation? To reveal the power of Christ in the end time through his church. If you read through here, you understand the seven churches. He said, write to the churches and talk to them about the revelation of who Jesus is. There's so many awesome things about this book that we could preach and teach. Tonight, I promise you, I'm not going to jump off in the deep end of the pool in Revelation, but I'd like for you to join me in chapter 12, if you would, in verse number 7. While you're turning there, tell somebody close to you tonight, I'm sure glad you came to church. Amen. I don't know if they're still tuned in or not. My folks are an hour behind us, so they haven't started church, and they were tuned in and watching, so if they're still watching, I give uh, regards and praise the Lord's tonight to Bishop and to my mother, and uh, I'm just ready for them to turn that old motor home north, praise God. Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 7, if you're there, say amen. amen. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels. I just love the 8th verse. Michael fought with his angels. The dragon fought with his angels. And it didn't do him any good. <laughs> Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our God day and night does anybody in here ever feel like it's just a battle every day and every night that's why because he accuses you every day and every night 
And he's working on you every day and every night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. Here's the summation. There was war in heaven. Michael the archangel, the warring angel and his angels were fighting against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon couldn't gain any ground. It didn't work. The Lord grabbed hold of him by the word and cast him out of heaven. He said, you've accused long enough, day and night. But the accused overcame the accuser by the power of the blood and by the word of their testimony. We sang tonight, if I shout, no, I'm shouting. From a heart that's been washed clean, and if I run, no, I'm running. From a past that's been redeemed. To the world, it might look crazy. There's just no telling what you're going to do in the moment Jesus gets a hold of you. Hallelujah. That bridge said, my past erased. My name he changed. Let's testify. If you'll give me just a few minutes tonight, I want to preach to you from this subject. Somebody ought to testify. Somebody. Woo. Somebody ought to testify. Hallelujah. Let's give him praise for his word tonight. Thank you, Jesus. May the Lord richly bless you. You may be seated if you promise you won't stay there long. Praise God. So the power of Revelation, the 12th chapter for me, is that it gives us somewhat of, of a prophetic preview of just exactly what the picture is going to look like when our struggles are over. When we have finally come to rest with the idea that the redeemed have been called to a place of eternal rest. And that separated from us forevermore is the accuser of the brethren. That old dragon, that serpent called the devil and Satan. Now there's so many things that we could preach tonight about Lucifer. We could talk to you uh, a whole lot about uh, his makeup, who he was, kind of how he was created, uh, all the things that transpired with that. There's some very powerful things, uh, some lessons that we could learn about Lucifer. Uh, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about him because I sure don't want to give him any credit tonight that he don't deserve. But the scripture said that Lucifer had an amazing opportunity. Lucifer is an angel. He is, as a matter of fact, a cherubim. The scripture refers to him specifically. We know for a fact that he was a cherubim, but he was somewhat different than the rest of the cherub because uh, Lucifer, the Bible said that when he was created, his pipes were within him. What does that mean? It basically means that Lucifer, or who we call Satan, uh, was in the heavens, created to worship. 
when the scripture said that his pipes were in him, if you could imagine how strange this would look to have an angelic being in the heavens, that was literally, that's my daughter, my daughter Jocelyn's favorite word, literally. <laughs> Lucifer was literally a walking pipe organ. He was created in angelic hierarchy and order. To be the cherub that covered the throne of God. In other words, the picture of this would be that there's not anybody else, to my knowledge. And when I say anybody else, understand I'm dealing with Elohim with uh, angelic beings. There was no other being in heaven that was any closer to the throne of God itself than Lucifer. And the picture that you get in his created form is that every time he would inhale and exhale, that there was a sound that would come out of him like he was created to worship. As he would breathe in, his pipes were within him. And as he would exhale, it was like a sound would fill the presence of God. And the cherubim to this day, their purpose is to guard the glory of God. The cherubim in heaven, they guard the presence of the Lord. It's interesting how they are. We could break off a lot of things that may make your head spin around tonight as we talk about the order of angels. But it's very interesting to know that Lucifer had an amazing opportunity that no other angelic being in heaven had. And that was to stand at the throne of God and worship. Now... We read a story in the Old Testament. The Bible said that David, King David of Jerusalem, of Israel, had a son by the name of Absalom. How many of you have ever read about Absalom? Absalom gets hung up in the tree. His hair gets hung up in the tree after he leads a revolt and he dies there. But there's something interesting that happened that I believe gives us insight into Satan's hatred for us. Tell somebody tonight, the devil hates you. <laughs> Look at somebody else and tell them he hates your guts. Man, we want to promote love and unity in this church. Look at somebody else and tell them the pastor hates him. <laughs> Praise God. The Bible said that Absalom came to the gate of Jerusalem. And as the people came to speak with the king that Absalom leading a revolt would stop the people short of the throne room of David, would kiss their hand when they tried to kiss him, and uh, he would say to them, there's nobody that my father has that can listen to what's wrong with you, and he would stop them there. And the scripture actually says that Absalom stole the hearts of the people. Have you read that? He stole the hearts of the people. How did he steal the hearts of the people? By getting them to stop short of the throne room and to stay at the gate. Absalom would keep the children of Israel from walking into the throne room of his father. Why did it matter to Absalom to be certain to catch them outside of the gate before they got the attention of the king? I'll tell you why. Because Absalom was raised in a throne room. 
Absalom was raised in the very throne room that he was trying to keep people from getting to. Absalom knew what happened in the presence of the king. And he knew that if the people ever got to the presence of the king, that he would never be able to steal their heart. Do you know why the enemy always wants to keep you from the presence of the king? Let me tell you. Because he was in the presence of the king. The Bible said that he stood around the throne of God and he guarded the presence of God and he played music unto the Lord and he worshiped unto the Lord. Why does the devil want to stop your worship? Why does the devil want to keep you home on a Sunday night? Why does the devil want to keep you out of the throne room? I'll be glad to tell you because he's been there before and he knows what happens when worship starts happening in the presence of the king. Oh, Lucifer, he knows exactly what happens when angels start crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he knows what happens when a saint of God that's been redeemed and bought by the blood of the Lamb starts to lift their voice and worship. There's something tonight that you cannot escape the knowledge of. And that's that Lucifer knows the word better than you do. Ooh, there's a surprise. Folks, I want to tell you that in the beginning was the word, the Logos. Somebody say in the beginning. How many beginnings are there? There's only one beginning. In the beginning was the word, John 1, 1, the Logos. The thought, it's not just the English word. It's really hard to uh, take the Greek word logos and, and have a full understanding in the English of what it means. It, it's not just necessarily the word. It's like it goes beyond the thought of God. It's almost like the beginning and the essence of the thought and the thinker itself. And John said, in the beginning was the thought. It was the intention of the author. It was there. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The Word was there in the beginning. And the Scripture tells us that the Lord had a plan in mind. How many of you are glad that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, He died for us. The Lord had a plan in mind. Now, I know that people don't understand this concept when they don't understand the love of God. But I've come to tell you tonight, he did not wait for you to get pretty and perfect before he was willing to put a plan in order for your life. The word of the Lord tells us that he is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. What that tells me is before Adam and Eve messed up, the Lord said, I've got a plan in mind that just in case they would turn their back on me, I've got a plan in mind. If the lamb was slain from the foundation and the Logos was in the beginning, can I tell you that the word was there before Lucifer was there? 
When Lucifer was created, he was created by the word of God. And when the word formed him, he had to understand the power of the word of God. And what Lucifer knew that we did not know is that God had a plan in mind. That while we were sinners, he was a lamb slain from the foundation. He knows the word. Tell somebody tonight. He knows the word. So Lucifer does everything he can to keep us from connecting with the heart of God. Because he knows the plan of God that was there from the beginning. John 1 and 14. That word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Logos became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. But before we beheld his glory, Lucifer beheld his glory. Have you ever noticed how Lucifer identified him in the wilderness of temptation? (laughs) There were some neat things that happened in that transaction. Go read it for yourself. You'll see what I'm talking about. Lucifer did not come to uh, the wilderness thinking that he was playing around with some boy. He came with both barrels loaded because he knew that he was dealing with the Logos that was from the beginning. He was dealing with the word that was slain, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He knew that he had a plan in mind and Lucifer did everything that he could and I could take you all the way back to Genesis. I could take you all the way back to the Tower of Babel. I could take you all the way back to the things that the enemy tried to do to stop the bloodline of the Messiah in mankind. I could take you to some places tonight but just suffice it to say that from the time he was kicked out of heaven until this very day he's been doing everything he can to keep you from the presence of the Lord he's been doing everything he can to stop the plan of God but I read to you tonight in the book of Revelation the 12th chapter that there is coming a day that every accusation he has made of you every... Everything he's tried to pull on you, you're going to find out it did not work, Satan, because there will be some people. John said, I saw them. They are overcomers, and they overcame the accuser by the blood of the Lamb. They overcame by what? By the blood of the Lamb. Understand me when I tell you, it will be the blood of the lamb slain from the beginning that overcomes the serpent that's been trying to stop it from the beginning. It's the ultimate backfire that everything he hated is going to cast him out. Do you understand that he can never worship again? Do you understand that he can never enter the throne again? He can never come as he was, as a cherub that covers ever again. And the next time I believe that he stands before the throne of God, it will be at the war in heaven. When the Lord looks at Michael and gives him the nod and says, All right, son, now is the time. And the word said that that old serpent, that the angel of the Lord is going to take a great change. He's going to bind up the accuser of the brethren. And he's going to cast him in to 
the bottomless pit. I don't know when Jesus is coming and I'm looking forward to going to heaven. But I want to tell you what I'm looking forward to seeing. I'm looking forward to seeing that old serpent, the devil, Lucifer, the dragon. I'm looking forward to the angel binding him up and casting him down one last time. So we understand in the scripture that there are two things that will cause the children of God to overcome. That is the blood of the lamb that he's tried to stop. And that is the testimony of the overcomer. That word testimony is marturia. It's like in the Greek marturia. It's like uh, very similar to the word martyr that we see. And the reason for that is because these are people that loved not their lives unto death. That's what the scripture said. They loved not their lives unto death. Brother Stephen Gill taught so beautifully this morning on lose your life. This is the power of this moment. That if you love your life here, you're going to have difficulty being in that number there. Am I making any sense to anybody? Everybody looks at the ten plagues of Egypt and think that whole thing was just about making Pharaoh mad. But I'm telling you that the ten plagues that happened in Egypt were as much for the children of Israel as they were for Pharaoh. God had to get them sick of Egypt to get them out of Egypt. And God's going to have to get you sick of this old world to get you out of here. I believe we're in revealing time right now. I believe the Lord's revealing some treasures because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We're in revival time. We're in revealing time. We're seeing the separation of the wheat and the tare. We're seeing it happen. I told somebody the other day, I said, you may look at that and think the separation of the wheat and the tare is the church and the world. I said, the sad thing is, is that separation and revealing is going on in the church and the church. The separation of the wheat and the tare, they grow together. It's in the same house. It's in the same field. And God is revealing some things, but there will be a remnant. Regardless of what the enemy tries. There will be a remnant that overcomes him. And they will overcome him by the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their marturia, their testimony. What does that mean? It means, now y'all put on your floaties. We're going deep right here. The word of the testimony means... They came through. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They came through. Now I want you to think about our language a little bit. The way we sit down and tell people sometimes. Now I'm not looking at nobody. I'm not pointing at anybody. I don't want anybody getting all hurt and offended tonight. But we're awful funny sometimes. You'd never know how powerful the blood of the lamb was when I got my thumb in my mouth. And I get to going, and I'm trying to tell people how powerful God is while I pout. <laughs> it's hard to sing his praises out of the same mouth that I've been saying, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And it's funny because we'll sit down and talk to somebody. We all have those Job's comforters in our life, you know. 
And we sit down and find those people that have pity on us. And we say, you won't believe what I've been going through. And you don't realize you just testified. Because you said, you won't believe what I've been going through. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying it's not going to last forever. You may be in a dark season right now, but the sun is coming up. Weeping may endure for the night. But joy is coming in the morning. I believe there's going to be some people from FPC on that great day that are going to stand up and say, I made it. I made it. I made it. This word leads us to an understanding. And again, I don't want to jump off deep here into some kind of expository uh, deep teaching. But I, I, I want you to understand they overcame. This language is past tense. We're looking in the future at a past tense statement. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, which was from the beginning, and the testimony, which means you made it through. The whole order of this is not about what's going to be. You understand that? The whole order of this is it's already done. The lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. The testimony of the saint was given to you before you were ever born. He told Jeremiah, he said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I anointed you, I ordained you, I put a prophetic calling on you. Before anybody called your name, I called you out. Now whether or not you make it with that testimony is going to be up to you. But I believe that somebody is going to make up their mind in 2021. The enemy tried everything he could to discourage me last year. He tried to take me out he tried to attack my faith he tried to attack my mind but look what the Lord has done he healed my body he touched my mind somebody shout I came through I had a few days last year where my prayer time didn't sound real victorious Hopefully that's not too honest and you don't lose some respect for me when I tell you. If you prick me too good, I bleed. And I've laid on the floor in this church and said, God, when is this going to be over? Like I'm going to change something. But I felt that nudge of the Holy Ghost saying, just hold on. Just hold on. But God, it's tough. Just hold on, son. Lord, I don't know when it's going to end. Just hold on. Why would I just hold on? Because John said, I saw the overcomers. There will be somebody that overcomes. And I've come with a message for you tonight. I'm one of them. I just wonder who's going to join me with that tonight. I'm going to go ahead and declare to the accuser of the brethren, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. So, the power of a testimony is amazing when you're in the heat of the battle. In 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, 
you find what we would describe in the scripture as the forming of a hero. The revealing of a hero by the name of David. 17th chapter is an extremely powerful chapter in the life of David. Because there's giant slaying power that's revealed in this chapter. But the principle that we cannot afford to miss is that this was not the forming of David's character. The Bible said in the 29th verse of 1 Samuel 17, David's standing there talking to his brother Eliab that's been an absolute jerk to him. And he said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another. And we miss this part a lot. And he said the same thing. You see what I'm saying? He didn't just say that to Eliab. He started turning to warrior after warrior. Is there not a cause? What have I done? Basically, the runt was looking at all the big boys saying, what's wrong with you? You've been standing here for 40 days listening to this? What's wrong with you? And his worship made them uncomfortable. (laughs) They didn't like it. It said they kept answering him the same way Eliab answered. And when the words which were heard, which David spake. What did David speak? What have I now done? Is there not a cause? They rehearsed them before the king. The king said, go get him. He sent for him. So David, the shepherd, comes to the king. I don't think we realize this boldness. Like, if you realize how bold this is, you're not amazed at all that he defeated a giant. Because he walked into the king and he says, let no man's heart fail him for fear. Well, what's the big deal with that, pastor? He's just speaking by faith. No, he just looked at the king and said, you're a scaredy cat. He looked right at Saul and said, don't let a man's heart fail him because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with the Philistine. Now here comes the realist. We've all got these in our lives. David's full of faith. God can do this. And Saul says, just calm down, son. You're not able to go against the Philistine, and here's why. And he starts listing the reasons why. You're too young. You're not the one that God would use. God's not going to use you to do this. Don't you see his credentials, son? And look at your credentials. He's trying to cut David down. You're a youth. This is a man of war. This is a man of war. But David just looked at him and said, well, all you men are apparently afraid. Am I helping anybody right now? Now, here it comes. David said unto Saul, me, thy servant, kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear. And they took the lamb out of the flock. And I went after him. 
and I smote him. And I delivered it out of his mouth. And then he arose against me. I wish I had a long time to preach this principle. But anytime you go to the enemy to take back what belongs to you, he's going to try to rise up against you. He said, I went to the mouth of that thing and I got what belonged to my father. And when I took the lamb out of his mouth, he rose up against me and he scared me. So I went home to my dad and said, I quit. He said, so I grabbed him by his beard. And I smote him. And I slew him. What are you doing, David? You're talking to the king of Israel about a giant. And David said, you got to give me a minute Because I'm trying to testify. (laughs) He said, you can't do it, David. He said, oh, let me tell you a story one time. He said, this old uh, lion came in and it grabbed a hold of this lamb. And I took it out of his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I grabbed him by the beard. I punched him in the face and I slew him. He said, thy servant slew Both the lion and the bear. He said, so what you need to know is I defeated two things in my life that were bigger than I was. And I couldn't have done it on my own. And he said, if I was able to take care of the lion and the bear, I've got a testimony. And I want you to know that this testimony... God did not just deliver me from the hand of the lion and the bear. He will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. Now follow me right here. He will deliver me. Now folks, I don't know. Maybe you think I'm reading into this a little bit too much. But this must have been a powerful testimony. Because Saul was just telling him why you shouldn't do this. But when David finished testifying, Saul said, go. And the Lord be with you. You know what happened right here? His testimony made the unbeliever a believer. His testimony... Looked at a man that said, there's no way you can do this. He said, you let me testify for just a minute. I've come to tell you that if he did it before, he can do it again. I feel like preaching to somebody on Sunday night and telling you if he did it before, he can do it again. If he brought you through before, he can bring you through again. You understand, there were some consequences that at this point in time, although David was not in the army of Israel, 
He was still under the authority of the king. And at this present time, the king had said, don't go. So if David would have went without the king's permission, if Goliath didn't get him, then Saul could have. But the testimony of David and what happened to him when he was all by himself and he was against insurmountable odds made Saul believe that maybe there really is something to what this kid is saying. Because the very thing that the Philistine has been defying is what David said brought him through. Does anybody here know that the devil is a liar? You understand that at the valley of Elah for 40 days, the enemy stood over there telling them, your God is weak and you are weak. Your God can't do it and you can't do it. That's just how the devil works. He'll tell you exact opposite of what the truth is. For 40 days, he said, you can't do it. But one man that came in with a testimony... He said, my testimony is powerful enough to shut up the mouth of this Philistine. Now, as time develops, and I'm trying to hurry tonight, as time develops and the story continues, we know the giant was slain. We know that it happened. We know that David cut the head of Goliath off. And then... The power of that is that he didn't just do it with his sword. He didn't have one. He used Goliath's sword to cut his own head off. I think that's powerful when you can use the weapons that the enemy was going to kill you with. The intention of the enemy was to thrust that through the heart of David. But David said, I'm going to use what you were going to use against me. To cut your authority off. And you won't speak to me this way ever again. Can I tell somebody in this place tonight. The enemy had plans for you when you got up this morning. But you walked into this house tonight with a testimony. And God has raised you up. And I feel like somebody in here tonight. Is going to take the tool that the enemy was trying to destroy you with. And you're going to remove his authority and headship in your life. Somebody needs to serve eviction papers tonight. And let that devil know you've spoken for the last day in my ear. You have told me for the last time that I was done. You've told me for the last time I was too far from God. I'm about to take that same tool and destroy you with it. But. It creates quite the frazzle in the kingdom because when David comes back into the city with Saul, the women of the city were singing a song. And it was quite an interesting song, to be honest. David just killed one man, but all the women said, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And the Bible said that it upset Saul. It upset Saul so bad because now, and see, this is that, that principle I preach this morning. I could preach it all day. It made Saul uncomfortable that God had to use David to do what he should have done. 
What God got the glory for in David's life made Saul uncomfortable. He said, I, I, I don't like this. And so his heart was turned hard. He tried to throw a javelin up against the wall, tried to kill him. David connects with Jonathan, Saul's son. It's a long story. I don't have time to preach the whole thing, but uh, Saul gave David his own daughter to marry him and just a big, whole big bunch of messes going on. And David is running because now David is anointed and Saul has lost his anointing. Oh man, if I had time. Those are always the most obnoxious people in your life. It's the people that hate your anointing because they can't ever get theirs back. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Lucifer was kicked out. And he can't get back in. So he hates you. Because someday you're going to do... You can say what you want to. But when I get to heaven, if the Lord will let me, I'm going to go stand in the same place that Lucifer used to stand. And I'm going to say, Satan, you tried to keep me out of here. But I overcame. You can't dance like I can dance. You can't worship like... Let me hurry. Let me hurry. So, David, God. Woo! David's running from Saul. He has a conversation with Jonathan. He runs off, and he's got a bunch of men distressed and messed up in the cave waiting on him. He said, I'm going to go talk to the priest. The Bible said that he goes to Ahimelech, who was the priest. And Ahimelech, the scripture said in 1 Samuel 21 and 1, he said that Ahimelech was actually kind of afraid that David had showed up. He was like, why are you here by yourself? He said, why did you come alone? David said to Ahimelech, the priest, the king, hath commanded me a business and hath said unto me, let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee. And what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. The servants are waiting in the cave. He said, now therefore what is under thy hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand, or what there is present. And the priest answered David and said, there is no common bread under my hand, but there is hallowed bread. If the young men have kept themselves at least from women. And David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, women have been kept from us for about three days since I came out. And the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in a manner common. Yea, though it were sanctified this day in a vessel. I wish I could preach to you about the hallowed bread. But the priest gave him the hallowed bread, for there was no bread but the shoe bread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man... Of the servants of Saul was there that day. This is who David's running from. Detained before the Lord. His name was Doeg. And Edomite. 
the chiefest of herdsmen that belonged to Saul. And David must have spied Doeg. Because David said to Ahimelech the priest, I appreciate the bread, but is there not here under thy hand a spear or a sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me because I was in a hurry. And the priest said, oh dear God. The priest said to him, he said, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is wrapped here in a cloth behind the priestly garment, the ephod. He said, if thou will take that, take it, for there is none other save that one that's here. But David said, there's none like that one. Give it to me. What's the point, Pastor? Are you hearing me real good? Everybody got your ears turned up real good right now? Listen to Pastor. Listen to me. David said, I'm in trouble. I'm running. I need God to help me. I don't know what to do. So I'm going to go to Ahimelech. And Ahimelech said, David, it's not as bad as you think it is. Your testimony is wrapped up in the ephod. And David was hit square in the chin again with the idea that if God did it before, <laughs> I feel like giving him praise tonight. If God did it before, he can do it again. He said, David, the last time he brought you through it, I've got the miracle in the ephod. I've got the sword in the ephod. David said, there's none like that one. You can't tell it like I can. The last time that sword was in my hand, God did a mighty work. Let me have it back. I'm reaching for somebody tonight that's troubled. You feel like all the odds are against you. I want to tell you, get a hold of that testimony again. Remind yourself of the power of an almighty God. If he did it before, he can do it again. Somebody ought to testify. That's why I love the altars of this church. Because all my life, whenever I needed a touch from God, I knew right where to go. I knew that on any given Sunday night, my victory was just as close as coming right down here in this altar. Raising my hands to the Lord and saying, Lord, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I've got to believe that if you did it before, you can do it again. Greater is he that's in me. Understand it was not the sword that gave him the power. It was the power of the name that was within him. I'm reaching for somebody tonight that's discouraged. For somebody that's downhearted. For somebody that feels like you're facing an impossibility. I dare you to grab hold of that sword tonight. To pick it up and to read it. And just to remind yourself this evening... There is no weapon 
that is formed against me that's going to prosper. When David picked up that sword, he was looking at what was meant to kill him. And God used that for him to slay his enemy. Somebody ought to grab hold of that sword tonight and say, Lord, I declare every promise in your word that you have declared over me. I call it forth tonight. I'm asking you, if you would, right now, to just submit to the Lord. Reach your hands up.